0: I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally.
1: Hey guys, it's Josiah. And before we get to today's episode, I just want to invite you to an incredible event happening March 3rd and 4th, 2023. Let's start our year off strong. Our theme is Equip the Saints. This is the Young Adults Today conference designed for college pastors, young adult ministry leaders, their key volunteers and teams. It'll happen in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And we would love to invite you you'll hear from mike and i as well as a host of other leaders and authors and pastors There'll be breakout sessions, times of worship, and our goal is that you as a person who's pouring out would have the opportunity to be poured into and blessed and resourced and encouraged with rallying points, relationships that can last a lifetime and put useful resources into your hands. You can find out more details at www.youngadults.today/conference.
0: Hey, what's up guys? Happy Monday. I hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally.
1: I'm Josiah Keneally, and we're your hosts of the Young Adults Today podcast. And we love doing this together Mm -hmm. with you as the listener, as the viewer. And we drop, as you know, new episodes every Monday. We want to help you start your week off strong, start new things, stir up your passion, but also strengthen anything that's a ministry that God's placed before you. And we're joined this morning by returning guest, Jane Pruitt. How are you?
2: Hey, what's up, friends? So excited to be back on. Y'all are so fun. Love talking to y'all. And, um, you know, even before we hit record, we're just saying, hey, we just we're so light minded, kindred spirits." So it's fun. It like I just feel it's a conversation amongst friends. That's always that's how I feel. Yep.
0: That is so true. And we want to invite you as a listener in on the conversation as well. So get ready, buckle up, because they've been working on a new project behind the scenes, so specifically a brand new books, and it's entitled Calling Out the Calls. Hello, discipling those called to ministry leadership. What a strong topic to lean into today. And Shane, we can't wait to unpack that. But if you're just tuning in for the first time and you don't know the returning guest, Shane is an amazing individual. He serves as a national next-gen director for North North American Missions Board, also known as NAM. He and his wife Cassie reside in Rockwell, Texas with their six kids. Hallelujah. He's been in ministry for over 20 years. If you're watching this, you would not think or know that, I don't think. But you know what? That's a fun fact right there. He's also a denominational leader, a church planter, a lead pastor, and student pastor. Holy moly, you have nothing going on, right?
2: No, definitely <laughs> need more to do for sure. Yes.
0: Amazing. Well, we are so fun, um, glad and fun conversations going to be had today. So buckle up, everybody, like we said, because we want to equip you as well as you know, just hear what God's doing in Shane's life and the team's life and how this book can also minister to you as an individual. Uh, So, Josiah, do you want to kick things off with Shane right here?
1: You bet. And if you're listening, we want to join into deeper friendship and community with you. So, whether that's checking out the blog at youngadults.today, if it's reviewing, leaving us a rating, if it's subscribing to the podcast, if this is your first time, um, but it might be sharing this with your team, Mm -hmm. with your staff, with your pastors. And really, Mm -hmm. we're going to be talking with Shane about calling today. And calling can kind of be elusive, it can kind of feel like Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it's ambiguous or just like chasing the wind. And so we're going to break down a huge topic Mm -hmm. of calling. Maybe you're a pastor who really is passionate about reaching the next generation or you're serving on the board of a church and you're like, what's our pipeline? How are we developing leaders? How are we raising up leaders? (laughs) Excuse me. This is going to be a conversation for you, but Shane, how I'd love to start is, um, do you think that there's a leadership shortage or crisis in the church today?
2: Uh, yeah, I do. You know, um, every you know every week I'm traveling across the nation, speaking at different things and with a, around a lot of leaders and all the time I'm running into even um, different networks that go, hey, gosh, uh, we have so many churches that are without pastors or we have so many churches that have like a staff shortage. Uh, I probably get no, anywhere between five to six calls a week, mainly from like mega churches, multi-site churches. Uh, looking for student pastors and and collegiate leaders and young adult leaders. And it seems as though like if we were a baseball team, we would look at our farm system and go, there's a shortage. Now, why is that? And I believe that God has not stopped calling people. I think we as leaders have stopped asking young people to Mm -hmm. consider if God's calling them to leadership. And then we've stopped raising up ministry leaders. And so that is really the heart behind the project. Of calling out the call, discipling those called to ministry leadership. That's really the heart behind that book. Is to get back as leaders to calling out the call of the next generation ministry leaders, um, and then also how do we disciple them? Uh, according to Barna Research, there's currently get this more Protestant ministry leaders over the age of 65 than under the age of 40. Um, In fact, less than 12% of all Protestant leaders are under the age of 40. And we know through the pandemic, um, it's even made it worse. I think there's more people just because of so many struggles, so many pressures um, exhaustion, burnout, whatever. There's more people statistically leaving the ministry leadership than entering the ministry leadership. So we definitely have a void. And like I said, I don't think God has stopped calling people. I think we as leaders have stopped asking people to consider if God's calling them to ministry leadership.
1: Wow. It's so true. And I remember we were talking not that long ago with Carrie Newhoff on the podcast about the great resignation, right? Right. Gary yep. said something that like stunned me in my tracks because like the great resignation was this idea in Wall Street Journal, New York Times. Everyone was writing about like, oh man, not just in ministry, but in mm-hmm. every vocation people are quitting. And Carrie's encouragement to especially leaders and pastors was like, don't let the great resignation become the great regret. Yeah. Yeah, and, no and doubt. It's like, it's like we, we I think right. ultimately, like if we think big picture, if we think long term, you know, there's moments where we all felt like giving up, mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. we're honest. Of course. And right. I've had those moments. I'm guessing, Shane, without putting words mm-hmm. in your mouth, you probably have to. And the listener too. But I think that if we're short thinking, it's, it's easier to give up. But when we're long thinking, we're like, oh man, if I gave up on the call of God right now, I would actually regret that.
0: Mm -hmm. the great
1: yeah no doubt become become the great regret and we like the show shark tank
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah yeah me and my wife we love we've seen every episode from like season one on we love shark tank yes but i'm I'm an entrepreneur at heart so i love shark tank
1: yes (laughs) same and and like i think one of the things there's another show that comes on sometimes after shark tank where it's called the prophet and we'll watch these shows and i'm like Mm -hmm. babe where are all the great leaders yeah Right. Yeah.
0: And I think that's just a question in the generation is where are all the great leaders, but I think the next generation is asking, how do I find a mentor?
2: Exactly. How do I get disciple? Yeah.
0: Like every So we've been to some like bigger gatherings, some small table stuff, some round table discussions. And many of the people, whether they're called to ministry or they're just trying to discover their calling in the early twenties, maybe they're even in the early Mm thirties saying, how do I find a mentor? How do I know who is worthy to disciple me in the sense of, are they living pure and holy? Do they fear the Lord? Are they praying for me and hold up my arms? Can I open up my heart and life in this area of my life where I desire to grow because I admire this about them publicly, but are they the same person privately and publicly, you know, so that's where I think the question is where are all the good leaders that are in reverence yeah. of God and fear the Lord. And, um, but also just declaring his victory and they're sharing the goodness of God and they're evangelizing and they're teaching, they're preaching, they're doing all these things. Yeah. And we know that we have our strengths and we know that we have our weaknesses. And so if we can play to our strengths as believers and just really understand like God has designed us, he's created us, he's given us a mandate And many of the times he's wanting us to develop our character before he hands us the mantle. Mm -hmm. And in that time of waiting, I call them the page turning moments of like, you want this chapter to end and you can't see over the other side yet, Mm -hmm. but the page is up and down. And I think so many times in ministry, leaders come to a point of burnout. They're discouraged. They feel like they're not making a difference. How do I keep leaders? How do I sustain this? And they want to have that page turning moment of giving up and leaning into that. And there's one thing that you had, um, um, talked about, I think maybe in your book or with Josiah, you had this moment of realization that maybe you hadn't been evangelizing as much as you desired to, or much as you, as much as you should have been, um, the intentionality. Will you just share that story and just unpack that for the listener of what God spoke to you and how you can encourage them to do the same of encouraging people through evangelism?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that all goes back. It's all kind of part of the same uh, scenario where we get away from calling out the call. We get away from discipleship. We get away from evangelism is because we all get so quote unquote busy in ministry that sometimes we're just working through the calendar and we've stopped doing the things that God has asked us to do. Because if you think about it, all that God has really told us to do is the great commandment, and the great commission, Mm -hmm. love God. Love people, make disciples. So everything we do should be heading in that direction anything we do that's not heading in that direction is really things that we're doing that he hasn't called us to do, you know? So I even think back, you know, when, um, I, you know, I think I've shared my, my story with y'all before, but I didn't grow up in church. Uh, I got, I became a father, Jesus at 21. So I always tell people the first 21 years of my life, I was building my testimony, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> my Trinity in in high school and college is not father, son, Holy spirit. It was a, a sports. I was an athlete partying, and chasing girls, all right? So whenever I got saved, God saved me out of a lot. So I started spending a lot of time with the pastor of the church because all my friends are still partiers. Now, I would spend time with them during the day. I'd pray for them. I shared the gospel with them, but I knew I couldn't go to the same parties and the clubs because eventually I'd just fall back in the same jump. But I called it like ignorance on fire. Right. Like I was so passionate about the gospel because I was like, if God can save me, he can save anybody. Um, But then it was ignorant because I didn't really know how to hone in that passion. So Mm -hmm. every day I was telling my friends they were going to hell. You know what I mean? Like I was like aggressive with that. I was like telling them to go to hell. They thought I lost my mind. They thought I joined a cult because we grew up in Waco, Texas, and we kind of have that in our history. You know what I mean? So they thought I lost my mind, but I I did. I had this zeal and it carried on. And then, you know, then you start down the journey. Then I went to Bible college and then I went to seminary and got a theological education and got all these degrees and these graduate degrees. And then, you know, God call me in the ministry. And I got in a local church and then started leading the ministry and then started working through the calendar. And then I looked up one day and go, when is the last time that I told someone about Jesus Mm -hmm. outside the four walls of this building? And I looked up and go, it's been a while, it's been a minute. So how can I like, train others to share the gospel if i'm not sharing the gospel because i feel as leaders once again this all goes back to a leadership problem even when we go you know people go hey where's the next generation of young leaders well it's on us currently as leaders to call out and raise up the next generation right. so it's always a leadership problem i always feel like every problem goes back to a leadership problem right and so i'm looking at it and going all right man, if i want all the young adults and the teenagers and the parents to like share their faith and live on mission i'm like how am i doing that well then i started looking and go my calendar's filled full of meetings and christian events and i'm in this christian bubble And I'm doing nothing but be around Christians. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I had to work hard and be intentional to get outside that Christian bubble and actually start being around lost people. So I think that was one of the first steps for me to go, how do I start sharing my faith again, living on mission outside the walls of a building? Well, first of all, you got to get around lost people um, because a lot of times we're sharing the gospel of people who are already found. We got to get around lost people. It it reminds me, not too long ago, I was at, um, you know, this kind of like, county you know fair like state fair thing and um and there was people walking around with samples of food but they were walking around giving out free samples of food in the food tents where people were like already eating and we are like, Hey bro, you're like, you're trying to feed the fed. You know what I mean? Like get out there where the people are like sweating and hungry and you're trying to get them like take the samples out there to where you want to get people in the tent. And I think we do the same thing with the gospel. Like a lot of times we're just sharing the gospel over and over in our buildings with the people who already believe it. Where we got to take the gospel outside the walls of the building out to the people who don't believe it yet. Yeah. You know?
0: So good. And Josiah, would you just share something? You had a little bit of a conviction the other day, right? About a mm-hmm. community.
2: Mm-hmm. But do
0: you want to share that? And I think it's alluding to exactly what Shane is talking about. And I think sometimes we look maybe too far out or maybe we're too tight in, whether that is in or out. But I just want you to share that because I think it's so yeah. good for leaders to recognize or to be called out right now like oh my gosh I'm guilty of that too so
1: yeah so we live in east bloomington but it's a, a city about 15 10 15 minutes from where I grew up in and so like I was bringing our girls to Sam's Club or to Target I can't remember which I was and I I think we needed like some milk some groceries and it was just me and our two daughters and I was heading out the driveway and it was just like kind of a whisper thought that I don't think came from me, but it, I was going to head like to where I grew up to shop. And like, I know the aisles better. It's just, it's only 10 minutes away and it's 10 minutes to Sam's Club from our house anyway. So it's like either stop signs or freeway. And I chose the freeway, but I just had this thought, this question. And I think it was the voice of the Holy Spirit leading me and just like, how come you're not shopping in your community? Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh, okay. Well, I guess I... I'm going to go. And so we went to like Sam's Club, Sam's Club that's in our community instead. And I ran into a friend from high school.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we ended up talking. And he's like, dude, I follow you on LinkedIn. Like, let's grab coffee soon. And like, there's a gospel appointment waiting to happen. Yeah. That's, that's right. Waiting to happen. Yeah. That had I gone, and, and it could have happened in Egan too. Like, it could have, but I was just like trying to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And like, if we want to be a light in our community, I think it starts by even as simple as shopping, even even like doing like, cars yes. in our community. Yeah. And I think it's kind of like a settler's mindset or a pioneering mindset. It's like mm-hmm. similar to you when I was fresh, even in ministry. Yeah. It's like I'm talking to people from high school or I'm mm-hmm. talking to unsafe, unchurched people all the time. Mm-hmm. And the Christian bubble can almost be like comfort we gain weight, so to speak, we get more <laughs> yeah. comfortable and yep. every year. It's like, okay, let's add 10 pounds or let's get more comfortable and have fewer gospel conversations. And that's why I love you mm-hmm. and Paul Wooster and guys like Steve Shadrach, where it's like, Hey, when's the last time you shared the gospel? Like in right. the last six months. And it's like, mm-hmm. maybe we were pioneers, and then we've settled a little bit. It's like, let's stir up our faith again. And let's start high yeah. again.
2: Yeah. And I love, you, you know, you mentioned a mutual friend of ours, uh, Paul Wooster, who uh, serves on my team at Namda that oversee And it. And uh, I love it. I, I, I got this from him and I started making a, a regular rhythm of my life. Uh, he said he wakes up every day and he says, pray for Bob, B-O-B. I love this. Pray for Bob. So B, uh, pray for a burden to share. Like, is our heart even broken over the spiritual lostness around us? So B, pray for a burden to share. O, opportunities to share. And what I found is when I'm praying for opportunities to share, it's not like God gives me new opportunities. It's God just wakes me up to the opportunities that are already around me. Because we're around gospel opportunities all Mm -hmm. the time. We're just so distracted that we don't even notice them. And then the last B is boldness to share Um, that when God does open those doors of opportunity, that we'll be bold to walk through those doors with obedience um, and faithfulness to point to Jesus. Cause really it's not our job to save anybody we can't, but it is our job to point them to the one who can save Jesus. So I love that every day, just pray for Bob, you know, the burden to share opportunity, share boldness to share. Yeah.
1: She is so good. And, you know if we get into calling, like a big part of it is creating on ramps and creating opportunities for people. I think of like when I was a youth student in youth ministry, my youth pastor asked me to preach my first sermon and I hadn't even experienced the call of God Mm -hmm. directly towards full-time vocational ministry yet. But like, let me ask you this. Why do you think it's important for us to, In the pulpit or just in our ministries, be people of invitation, whether it's inviting people to follow Jesus, an invitation to an altar call of salvation, or an invitation to respond to the call of God towards ministry. Like, why are those invitations and on ramps or creating opportunities, giving people opportunities? Why is that so important?
2: Yeah, man, that's great. I I just really have a conviction that anytime. Uh, the gospel is proclaimed. And so when I say that, anytime you teach the word, gospel should be proclaimed because everything we do should be in response to the gospel, right? So even if you're teaching a text, um, in the text, you know, the topic of the text that it dictates is, say, a stewardship. Well, like even that should be in response to the gospel, because the most generous person ever was God who loved us so much. He sent his only son. Right. Wow. So everything we preach, first of all, should be gospel centered. And so my conviction is every time the gospel is proclaimed, then we should call people to respond to that gospel. Right. Yeah. So I think every message should have an invitation. Now, does that mean a come forward altar call? It can, um, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. But maybe it's a text response or go to a prayer response or go live this out response. Like, I think everything should have an invitation to what has just been said. Um, so people will say, hey, does does invitations, let's even say, does altar calls, does public gospel invitations still work with Gen Z? I would say yes, because I see it every week. You know, um, I, I was able to preach a tour earlier this year called Winter Jam, which is just a Christian concert yeah. tour. So i preached the gospel, preached the gospel every night of that tour, gave an invitation, then all the events. I've seen over 30,000 people publicly make a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. And the vast majority of them are young adults, college students, and teenagers. And so people go, well, invitations don't work anymore. Gospel invitations. I'm telling you the same gospel and the mm-hmm. call to respond to that gospel has worked for 2000 years and it still works today. Like we don't have to overthink this, you know, as next gen leaders, we love to be innovative. we love to be creative. We'd love to think outside the box, but I tell next gen leaders all the time. I was like, I think sometimes we overthink it so much. We forget the basics, like the Holy spirit in us wants to reach Gen Z even more than we do. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, the same gospel that has worked for 2000 years still works today. The same Bible that is living and sharper and active, right, that has been relevant for 2000 years is still relevant today. So yes, um, I believe gospel invitations work. I believe we need to get back to calling out the called and invitation of next gen leaders and ministry leaders. Um, I believe the reason we are having a void in next gen leadership is because uh, it's really a we have not because we ask not principle. I mean, because if you even think about it, a lot of times it's say like student camps, or collegiate weeks, or conferences they may do a special service right of calling out to ministry leadership or calling out to missions Mm -hmm. and you'll see people respond every time but let me ask you this when's the last time you've seen that done at a local church Mm -hmm. like even if a local church does a gospel invitation to to ask people to receive christ When's the last time you've heard a call out in the crowd and going, hey, maybe you're hearing you feel like God's place a calling a ministry leadership on your life, mm-hmm. or God's calling you to the mission field. And we want to give you an opportunity to respond. I love what you said, Joseph. We want to give you an honorant ramp to that. When's the last time you've heard that done in the local church? Like I remember whenever I got saved at 21, the church I got saved in and baptized in, discipled in, called out to ministry. It was a regular rhythm. In our church, by our pastor, and he may not do it every Sunday, but sometimes once every six Mm -hmm. weeks or once every eight weeks, he would do an invitation at the end of the message. Hey, maybe you feel God's calling you to ministry leadership or God's placed this call in your life and you've ran from it or you just realized that today and you've yet to re- surrender that we want you to publicly surrender that. Cause we want to help you. We want to get you in a pipeline. We want to get you in a process. Um, like you don't hear that anymore in local churches. You don't hear that anymore in student ministries. You don't hear that a lot in young adult ministries anymore. So I really think we have not, cause we asked not, here's what I believe. God has not stopped calling leaders we as current leaders have stopped asking the next generation to consider that call in their life. You know, uh, I speak at a lot of Christian universities, um, and even in this past month, I've I've preached in chapels at two universities. Uh, One university I preached in, they have over 5,000 students on their campus, and only 52 of those students are in their school of ministry, like going into ministry, right? Uh, and the other one has over 4,000 students on their campus and only 41 of them are there for ministry. Wow. Um, I don't think we've put it in front of the next generation to even consider if they're called. Yeah,
0: I think that's so good. Wow. I think that's yeah. and that's a great opportunity. I think I think a couple of things. I think of the DNA of the church. Like, what are we saying from the pulpit? What are we saying that we value? What are we saying that we do to like give people an opportunity to do that? And coming back and going back to the basics, I think is essential. Not to over spiritualize it, not to over complicate it, but to yep. really dive in. And I know some people. Would, I don't, I'm not one of these people, but I think some people push back on the word calling mm-hmm. because they have not yet heard the voice of God, felt the prompting of the Holy spirit. Maybe they don't know the word of God and they just feel like I was just reading in um, the book. Uh, what's it? Uh factor paper factor. paper factor. I would just finish mm-hmm. that book yesterday. Yeah. And one of the things that um, the author had shared is this young man is just because I, he felt like he didn't feel like a somebody made him feel like he was a nobody. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. when you began to believe, like, why well, yeah. nobody? Because I haven't become somebody. Yeah. And I think when the you enter the word calling or you know, the call of God on that on your life, I would just love for you to unpack the person who's maybe yeah. like skeptical of the word because it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, it's like the word leadership, it's overused, influencer, yeah. overused, calling. Ugh, whatever that means for me. Mm-hmm. So Shane, would you just dive in when it comes to the big idea and the breakdown of what you specifically mean when you talk about the calling in the book, calling out the mm-hmm. called? how can you shine some light for people who have like maybe a negative or tainted connotation of what the word calling means through the lens of Christ and how you set that up in the book?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I love, I I think calling one of like, maybe a, more relevant term is like, there's this, this like, I believe calling is like this, just wooing of the spirit drawing you in close, but what's so cool about how the Holy spirit works is like, he's, wooing you in close to send you back out yep. but when he sends you back out he's going with you you know what i mean so it's not yes. like wooing you in and then send you back out going hey good luck to you hope it works out <laughs> for you right but he's like wooing you in close to him and then sending you back out to like go with you so i always tell people like salvation um, is really you're being saved to be sent. You know, like I think, you know, a lot of people think, Oh, I get saved so I can go to heaven one day. Well, it, yeah. I mean, that's a benefit, right? But like if salvation was only about going to heaven, wouldn't it make sense? The moment God called you unto salvation, Mm -hmm. he would also call you home, but we're still here Mm -hmm. because we are being saved to know God, but also sent to make God known. Right. So I think in the Bible, You know, as you read through Genesis through Revelation, you really see three major callings. First of all, you see a calling unto the Lord for salvation, right? To know him, to experience eternal life, to have God come live inside of you, make his home in you. So there's a calling unto salvation. And then, secondly, you see in the New Testament, there's what we would call a universal calling on all believers. Now, not universalism, that's heresy, right? Universal calling on all believers, meaning that if you've been bought by the blood of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit of God, you are called to know him and make him known. So that's where we shifted, right? To like every member of missionary, every member of minister, because there was a day in the church, especially in the American church in the West, right? Um, Let's say if you go back 30 years ago, a lot of American churches were set up like this. You get saved, uh, you get dunked in water, Then you sit on your blessed assurances, (laughs) go into a bunch of potluck dinners, waiting for the rapture bus to swoop down and pick us all up. And in the meantime, we watch all the professional Christians do the ministry. Um, And who's the professional Christian in the church, right? The pastor, the staff. Um, In the moment they do ministry in a way we don't like, we write them a little email in Jesus name, right? And so we've all gotten those emails as leaders. Um, But that's not the New Testament church. The New Testament church is that our ministry leaders are to practice uh, uh, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, to equip the yeah. saints for the work of ministry. Theologically, who's the saints? It's not just a football team in New Orleans. It's not just people in the old paintings with halos around their heads. The saints are all those who've been bought by the blood of Jesus and have the Holy Spirit of God. So why is it the job of the leaders to equip the saints for the work of ministry? Because every saint is called to ministry. Yes. Okay. So, right, that's the universal calling on all believers. So that's where you get out of that mindset where you go, hey, pastor, would you come share the gospel with my neighbor? I think they're lost. No, no, no. God placed those neighbors next. Thanks to you. You're called to live on mission. You're called to ministry as well. So there's this universal calling, right? So so you see a calling unto the Lord for salvation. Secondly, you see a universal calling on all believers. Um, you see that in Second Corinthians 5, 17 and 18. I just thought of that uh, where, you know, Paul's talking gospel talk, right? We uh, are, are new creations in Christ. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's beautiful. But then you go to verse 18 and he says, and God gave us a ministry of reconciliation. In context, he's not writing that, to the elders in Corinthians, he's not writing that to the pastors in Corinthians, he's writing that to the whole church in Corinth. So he's basically saying, if you are a new creation, you are called to a ministry of reconciliation, right? All right, so universal calling. Thirdly, and this is where I think we've gotten away from recently, because I feel like as the church, we've gotten better at that universal calling on believers you know we used mm-hmm. to use the term missional living that's kind of a junk yeah, drawer mm-hmm. term now but missional there. living. <laughs> yeah 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 uh living on mission every member of missionary every member of minister we i think we've gotten better at that conversation what we got away from is the third calling which you also see in the bible which is a unique calling on some uh, so if you go back to ephesians 4 11 and 12 you remember ephesians 4 11 And God called some to be what prophets, evangelists, Mm -hmm. pastors, teachers. And what's their job? To equip the saints for the work of ministry. So I think we've gotten better at that saints for the work of ministry conversation. But we've gotten away from that where God has called some to be leaders. Like if you look all throughout the Bible, you see where God uniquely calling Jeremiah, uniquely calling Deborah, uniquely calling Phoebe. And, you know, all three where God calls some to be leaders, to equip the saints of the work of ministry. Now, what we're not saying is that there's a varsity and a JV, you know what I mean? We're just saying different roles, equally important, just different roles. And I think that's where I kind of joke of like, where the participation trophy generation, now that we're all adults, In some churches, when you start talking about unique calling and God calling out some of the leadership and people go, oh, well, am I not important since I'm not called to ministry leadership? No, that's not what we're saying. We're saying everybody's important. It takes all of us. We're just saying that God has called some uniquely to operate in these kind of roles in the body of Christ. And we need them to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Yeah. So what we're not talking about is to, if someone goes, I'm a lawyer, I'm living on mission, I'm sharing the gospel at my law firm, praise the Lord. Yes. And amen. So beautiful and valuable. What we're saying is we got to get back to calling out the called who are uniquely called by God to lead the body of Christ, mm-hmm. to hit the mission field, um, to equip the others for the work of ministry. yeah,
1: yeah, I while you're talking, my mind is going. and I just I think of of this conversation, where my mind goes and my wheels turn towards is what are we waiting for? Yeah, because I think for many times, it's it's like even the the salvation altar call, like, it's like we've waited for the special Sunday or the special event mm. or the camp experience. Yep. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have those because yeah. those moments definitely like marked my life and God spoke to me. I just think, what are we waiting for? Because if we only wait for the winter conference or the camp or the special event for yep. the the call to ministry night, I think that, you know, we're actually some people can't come to that night. Yeah so they're 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 going to miss that opportunity and I almost look at the spiritual leaders listening to this conversation watching right now our role is kind of to be the um the Samuels and and yep. teaching Um, you know, like Hannah dedicated her son and then really we're, we're called to be, what was it? Eli was the priest. We're called to be the Eli's and help the Samuels hear the voice of God. And I think that that's really what you're describing and and talking about is what are we waiting for? Because there's people who are, I I don't think that God will use us to bring direct revelation of like saying to somebody like, Hey, you know what? I think God's calling you to be. a yes. missionary, or I think God's calling you to be a pastor. I think God will have already been speaking to them. And they're yeah. like, Is that you, God? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, wait, mm-hmm. e- like, Eli, was that you? And I think what we're called to be mm-hmm. is really the, the confirmation of that, of like, I exactly, said, yeah. Has God ever talked to you about like, missions is all it is, is like full-time vocational ministry. If you ever saw yourself right. working in a church and it's almost like asking those prompting questions, right. but I will ask you this. Yeah. Before I do, I'll just say this. I really would add to this conversation that working full-time vocational ministry, we've both had the opportunity to serve in a local church, mm-hmm. Yeah. campus ministry leaders, and now working in a nonprofit -hmm. Reaching young adults, but I really believe this: Mm -hmm. that following Jesus into that call of full time ministry, it's a thrill sequence. It is a great life to live. Focusing on caring for the souls Mm -hmm. of God's people is really a great way to live your life. So God speaking to you, I just want to say, like, it's a sacrifice Mm -hmm. and it is a calling, but I just think it's a great life, and I highly recommend if that is what God's drawing you towards. But she. Do you think, like, does somebody need to have that calling moment to go into ministry? Is God
2: accepting volunteers? What would you say to that? Yeah, that's good, man. Yeah, you know, once again, like, we we definitely want to emphasize every believer is called, right, to know Jesus and make Jesus known, right? In um, this unique side, yeah, I believe there is a unique calling on some for ministry leadership. And like you say, it could be serving in a nonprofit. It could be being a a full-time missionary. It could be serving on staff at a local church. Mm -hmm. It could be being a volunteer leader. Um, What I'm talking about in leadership, um, it it has to be a calling from God. And I always say, and we cover it in the book, like, I believe, like, when God calls you to ministry leadership, you will have three affirmations. I think there's three affirmations. Now, you don't need one of the three. You really need all three of them. All right. Mm-hmm. So we would call like an inside affirmation. That only comes from the Holy Spirit. Exactly. Like, you have to be called by the Holy Spirit. It, you can't, I always joke, like, you can't be called by your grandma. You know, like, you don't want to get into ministry because your grandma told you you were going to be the next Matt Chandler or the next Christine Kane. right? right. So he's like, we don't need grandma called leaders. We need God called leaders. So that only comes from the Holy Spirit. And that comes from, like, what you were saying, Joseph, like, there's this inward angst, this inward drive, like, where you go, man, I just love the people of God. I just love the Word of God. I just, I just love making disciples. I love equipping the saints for the work of ministry. I just love this. I want to do this with my life. I want to give my life away to like, there's this inward, like calling, you know, and I would call that an inward affirmation. And that only can come from the Holy spirit. The second one would be an outside affirmation. So you got the inside affirmation. That's the Holy spirit. Then you got this outside af- affirmation. And that typically comes from trusted voices, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Pastors in your life maybe family, close friends, people who know you, people who love you, people who are spiritually mature and they're in tune with the Lord. And sometimes they can be a conduit where God speaks to them, right? So it's really the Lord speaking to you, but through your community where people go, man, I see this in you, or I see God's hand on you, or I see this unction in you. That's an old word I I want to bring back. Leonard Ravenhill used to use the word unction all the time. Like there's this unction on you, um, or there's this love in you. There's this Desire for you to serve, like and and you know, and I think as leaders, we need to be attuned with the spirit to see that in people in our ministry. And I think when I I always encourage leaders, do that through questions, because I like what you (laughs) said, Josh. Because what we don't want to do is cause confusion with someone. You don't want to go, hey, God's called you to ministry. And inside, they don't have that inside affirmation so then you could send them down a path that god's not called them to right Mm -hmm. so i always say i ask good questions like hey i see this in you do you see this in yourself has the holy spirit been talking to you hey how do you feel about this um because you almost call it like what jeremiah had when he said his bones would burn Mm -hmm. that's that kind of inside inside affirmation outside affirmation comes from trusted people. The third one would, what I would call like opportunity affirmation or Mm -hmm. ministry affirmation, meaning God's opening doors for you to serve. God's opening doors for you to exercise those passions. God's opening doors for you to exercise those gifts. I always say like ministry, if God's really called you to this kind of ministry, we've been talking about in in leadership, you don't have to chase it in a way it chases you down. You know what I mean? You may try to run from it, but it's going to come for you. So I would say opportunity affirmation. So you can't go, hey, I really think God's called me to teach the Bible, but he never gives you an opportunity to do that, right? Or God's really called me to lead others. Um, And so my old pastor, you say this, and he was just, I grew up in the country. He was just one of those country preachers. He said, "Uh, anybody who leadeth and nobody followeth, just take a walketh. You know what I mean? So, like, <laughs> like if you're gonna be a leader, you need to have people following oh you, you know. And so I always say, like, I think if, if God's called you, then there will be those opportunity affirmations as well. So I would say inside affirmation, outside affirmation, opportunity affirmation. And I believe you got you need all three of those if God's mm-hmm. called you in this way. Yeah.
0: I think that's so good. And I think just a reminder as a leader, whatever capacity that you are, whether you're in the marketplace, you're in the mission field, you're in ministry, whoever's listening right now, is that our words carry weight. And when we Mm -hmm. team up with the Holy Spirit, like the Holy Spirit's going to use us potentially as a tool to speak and to encourage and maybe provide those opportunities for the people around us. And um, Shane I would just be curious I know that when I said the word calling like sometimes people are like is my calling my purpose is my purpose my calling like are those interchangeable and to what degree because I feel purposeless right now so maybe for the yes. person who is like struggling with their calling um, how would you encourage them today or what would you say to them
2: yeah yeah and I, I know this sounds like such a Sunday school answer but there's no other way like Intimate time with the Lord. I feel calling is always going to reveal itself in proximity, right? Yep. Um, Purpose is going to reveal itself in proximity to the Lord. So if you're distant from the Lord, and let me just say this, like, if you're a follower of Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit of God and you're never in your Bible outside of your Christian gathering, Uh, if you're never talking to the Lord in prayer, if you're never meditating upon the Lord, if you are never fasting, then let me just say you should feel distant from the Lord. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is like, if you're not doing the rhythms that God's given you in spiritual disciplines and you don't feel distant from God, there's probably an issue there because you're not really being in tune with the spirit. Right. So there's no way to shortcut this. Like, The only way you're going to know what God's calling you to specifically, the only way you're going to know purpose is in proximity with the Lord. That's one of the greatest leadership advices I ever got. I was 25, newly married. I was a youth pastor at the time, Uh, um, a a great family, in our church gifted my wife and I with a trip to Israel because we were newly married. And I remember uh, a, a pastor walking in, author, um, huge church. If I said his name, probably most people would know him. Um, and he walks through the lobby at the hotel. And especially at that time when I was younger, like pastors and leaders were almost like athletes to me. You know what I mean? So he walks in I'm like, Hey, there's so-and-so my wife's like, he's just a dude. And I was like, girl, you don't understand. Right. So I did the c- total creepy thing. Like he got in the elevator. I ran and like stuck my arm in the closing doors sure. so that I could get in. And I'll never forget that. I said, Dr. So-and-so Um, Hey, my name's Shane Pruitt, I'm 25, newly married, I'm a youth pastor, what advice would you give me? I'll never forget what he said, he goes, well, first of all, you said you're married, so pastor your family first. If you can't lead your family, you have no business leading the family of God. Plus, if you lose your family, you're gonna lose your ministry anyway, right? So do everything from the overflow of ministering to your family. And then the second thing he said, um, I also never forgot, I wrote in my Bible, and I've shared this with hundreds, if not thousands of leaders, uh, young leaders since then, He said, you focus on the depth of your ministry and let the Lord focus on the width and platform of it, which I think is so such good advice, because I think sometimes when we go, I can't decide on my calling or I don't know my purpose it's because we're playing this comparison game. Um, and a friend of mine says it like this. It's always a snare to compare.
1: Mm. So
2: what you're doing is you're seeing God do things in others that you feel is more important than what God's doing in your life. So you feel like God's not using you or you feel like you're purposeless because these others may have bigger platforms than you. And that doesn't matter. Like you be obedient to what God has called you to. You focus on the depth of your ministry, the depth of your relationship with the Lord, and let him take care of the width and platform of it. And I think especially as young people and social media has kind of done this to us. Uh, is caused that comparison game to always be at, at a heightened level is a lot of times we when we enter into ministry leadership or we feel God calling us, we're thinking of platforms, right? How do I get to that platform? How do I get on that stage? And that is not the calling. The calling to ministry leadership is not a calling unto stardom. It's a calling unto service, right? Because oh, one day it's we true. will stand before the king and he will not say, hey, great job, you know, good and faithful influencer. He won't say, good job, good and faithful pastor. He won't even say, good job, good and faithful leader. He'll say, good job, good and faithful servant, right? There it is. So, yeah. And so I think sometimes even as leaders, I think this goes back to discipleship. When we see young people who feel a calling to ministry leadership on their life, the most important thing we can do is help them develop healthy spiritual disciplines and help them walk deeply with the Lord and let them serve out the overflow of their own worship of Jesus. Cause I think sometimes what the first thing we want to do is if a young person comes to say a young adult goes, hey, I really feel God calling me to ministry. And you're like, Hey, I see that in you. Like, I want to affirm that in you then usually one of the first things we do is like, okay, well, Hey, we're going to try to discover your gifting. Uh, Hey, we're going to try to make you a better leader. And what we're doing is we're focusing on their gifts and talents and their skills. And I think a lot of times in ministry, we're super gifted people, but sometimes our gifts and talents take us further than our character and integrity can sustain us. Mm -hmm. So I think that's how we get into burnout. That's how we get into moral failure because a lot of times we're putting people on stages and platforms that their character and integrity is not ready for. And the only way to build character and integrity is time with the Lord. There's no way to shortcut that. In fact, Christine Kane says it like this, if the light on you outshines the light in you, then eventually the light on you will burn you up. So I think one of the most dangerous Mm -hmm. things we can do is throw people on stages that they're not ready for, you know? That's so good. I agree
1: a hundred percent. And I would just talk to the listener, the viewer who is, you know, serving right now and you're leading a young adult ministry or you're on a college campus or you're pastoring and, Mm -hmm. and really there's a burden already in your heart for God's church and for his kingdom and for the great commandment for the great commission. And I would just invite you to pause at this point in the conversation and just begin to pray and think of what's your next step as far as offering an invitation into ministry. Is there five young adults? Is there somebody who could be a co-leader in a small group? Is there somebody who maybe at your church could guess, teach a week of Sunday school? And just, it's almost like those bite-sized samples of the next step, just like, you know, salvation and water baptism and joining a small group. Like what's somebody's next step and how could you assist in just, maybe it's your preaching in the next month or two, and it's creating an alter time for people who are discovering the call. Maybe it's Mm -hmm. hosting, like I I remember Micah opened up our home to a group of gals who like wanted to grow their voices Mm -hmm. and they had, had already been speaking to them, but it's somebody come alongside and just the next step. And so what could your next step be as a leader to provide on-ramps, maybe it's some sort of called conference, or maybe it's some sort of um, encounter night, but I would just love to ask you to reflect about that, and to think about that, of of who maybe do you see that's in your path, that you could come alongside, like she was saying, God's already speaking to them with that inside drawing, Mm -hmm. how could you come alongside and maybe ask that, question and be that outside confirmation or, or provide an opportunity for ministry for somebody. But as we close, Shane, we love to just put five minutes on the clock. Yeah. Come to five. I love this.
2: It's one of my favorite time, favorite parts. And you've
1: done it with us before, but this time we try to mix up all the questions a little bit differently. And the first is if you could have any sports card any baseball oh, or basketball goodness. or football or, you know, any sports card, who would you pick?
2: Oh man. I, gosh, it would have to be Jordan's rookie, right? That's like a Holy grail, you know, or, you know, we're in Dallas. So we're a huge Luca fans. So like one of Lucas like autograph cards, you know? So yeah. Oh, there you <laughs> go. Yeah.
0: All right. There's a spiritual question now. Question number two, what has yeah. God been speaking and teaching you lately? Shane?
2: Yeah, like uh, I think, you know, just because of the work we're doing, you know, with the book and, and the videos we've created, we've created some great mentoring guides that can go along with it. It's just really on the getting back to like really calling out the next generation of ministry leaders and really discipling and equipping them, you know, because you even think of the impact there. Like you could go, oh, well, will only have really probably three in my ministry that are called the ministry leadership well if you impact them think of all the ones they're going to impact in the future and yeah. the ripple effect from that's huge mm-hmm. so really probably that calling the ministry leadership has been my big passion awesome. really. yeah let's go
1: uh how about this this is a curveball you get to ask us another question it can be anything but what do you want to ask or know from like can i
2: yeah i love okay so jesse i love what you said i go so i want to ask you a I this all right so y'all are like Hey, yeah, ministry is this great thrill ride. That's true. So, but we also know it's difficult, right? There are some like difficult mm-hmm. seasons in ministry, but y'all are two of some of the most joyful people. Like, cause when I watch y'all's podcast, when I've been on, when I've talked to, with y'all, interacted interact with y'all, y'all always have big smiles, a lot of joy on yeah. your face, but I know <laughs> that life's not easy for y'all. So where, do, where mm-hmm. does your joy come from? Cause I think people are mm-hmm. searching for joy today, especially with everything going on. Yeah. Man, seriously. First.
1: Yeah. I know what discouragement mental health challenges are like, I know what it's like to have somebody not believe in you. Mm -hmm. I know what it's like for somebody to speak death with their tongue instead Mm -hmm. of life. And and so I am a feeler. So I'm in tune with the emotions to know that there are high highs and there are low lows
2: and both are the reality
1: for Mm -hmm. all of us in life. But I just remember um, my first office that I ever had and on the ceiling, I literally wrote, Um, what David said, like to encourage yourself in the Lord. And then I wrote the sky's Mm -hmm. the limit. And so when I'm down, Mm -hmm. down is actually a great posture, Mm -hmm. bowing down, getting knocked down, kneeling, maybe Mm -hmm. praying before your face. So down happens emotionally, physically, literally all of it. Mm -hmm. But when you're down, that is a great time to dream again. When you're down, it's a great time to look up. Like mm-hmm. down might be one of the most hidden gifts because mm-hmm. the only place to look is up. I and so know. when there have been moments of deep discouragement in ministry, in life, whatever, mm-hmm. sports, um, I've just found that buoyancy of the ability to develop grit and to bounce mm-hmm. back. God gives us bounce back power, bounce mm-hmm. back faith. Like we, the righteous is going to mm-hmm. fall, but he gets back up again. Mm-hmm. And so- that and truly like the joy of the Lord being our strength, like mm-hmm. to recognize that my choice is what thoughts to think. My really? choice is what I believe about myself, God and others. Right. And so I have a choice, like I could believe the best or the worst. Let's believe for something great. Let's believe for something that's incredible. What would you say
0: yeah, I think that true joy can only come from the Lord. And I think for me specifically, um, discovering the calling at age 25, like God did call me into yeah. ministry. And I remember driving off the freeway and turning into the church that I was on staff at. And I was so thrilled, like there was something inside of me that wasn't was I was being fulfilled. I was living life to the fullest in every way, from church to community to discipling women to being discipled, to mm-hmm. being in an internship, to working at a gym, like all these things that I had aspired to from 18 to 25 were happening and God was really unfolding. And I think in that season I was driving off up off that ramp and to the church. And I just felt this complete piece of just like, wow, for the first time in my life, I don't feel like I have to go to work. Like I mm-hmm. get to go to work yeah. and I want to see. So every day I'd drive to work and i pray. I was like, okay, Lord, what do you have in store for me today? Amazing. What do you have in store for me today? And Lisa Turkhurst, I think wrote this. She's like divinely interrupt my day. God, if yeah. you want to interrupt my day, like I need to be spiritually, mentally, emotionally prepared for a disruption in my norm. That is an opportunity to serve somebody else. And it could be a stranger. It could be, yep. it could be physically helping somebody. And I think just, I've always had the gift of hospitality and I have the gift of faith. So I think anything that I think I felt where God has fallen short in discouragement or an expectation I've placed on him, I feel like I need to pull back, reel that back in and really take it to him and dedicate it to him in a way of like, Lord, I'm going to dedicate this to you versus giving you my to-do list. Mm -hmm. And I think when I was in those seasons, I think God's like, Micah, you don't have to pray to me. Like you get to pray to me. Yeah. I, I think to discover joy I've had those humbling character moments where I feel like God's taking me out back and like rough me up a bit. And it's like, okay, back in the game now. So yep. I just feel like true joy, um, just shines through functioning in the gifts and the talents that God is giving us and choosing to, I don't know, choosing to worship him, even when it's not the best or even when it's not the most beautiful, glamorous season of life. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would say.
2: <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, oh, y'all are very God. joyful people. Like, y'all yeah. encourage my heart.
0: Well, first. thank you. Heart. Yeah. Right, we got two questions left, Shane, right. and like 30 seconds on the clock because I took your minutes. I'm sorry. All
2: right, yeah. So, okay.
0: Let's say that you and your wife, or maybe you and your family, get to travel anywhere in the world that you have not yet been. Where would you go?
2: Oh, okay. So, really quick, this is kind of cool because it just kind of happened is uh, we have a, a son with. Uh, pretty severe unique needs um so he just got picked by the make-a-wish foundation and they're sending our whole family to disney world for seven days so we get to do that in december we're excited about that um but like we're anywhere in the world that i haven't been yet uh for me it would have to be new zealand like ever since i've saw lord of the rings remember the lord yeah. of the rings for that yes. yeah it was- It was filmed in new zealand i was like i want to go there it's beautiful like new zealand is beautiful yeah so new zealand for me but we're excited to go to disney world soon too great you're loving it for you guys
1: that is epic yeah yeah and uh man is there anything burning on your heart that you'd like to just download impart share Mm -hmm. people needing encouragement Mm -hmm. people needing wisdom what insight do you have
2: Yeah. I would just say, Hey, uh, I love it. I I once heard somebody say this, God pays for what he orders. Um, so if God's called you to ministry, he's going to resource it. He's going to see you through and to know that it's a calling, not just to start, but it's also a calling to run faithfully. And it's a calling to finish. Um, you can't, you know, you think of Philippians one, six and that, um, and then, you know, I, I think of, uh, John Stephen Aquari, who an uh, incredible story, 1968 Olympics. Mexico is one of the favored marathon runners. Um, and halfway through, he got kind of in a group of guys. They all fell. They quit the race. And so he had a dislocated shoulder um, and a busted up knee. Uh, race ends, marathon. This is a great way to end this conversation. Marathon ends, medal ceremony Three hours after the medal ceremony is over, everybody's left the stadium. The media's left. They get word that there's still a runner running the race. So people come back to the stadium. And four hours after the medal ceremony, John Stephen Aquari from Tanzania, he's a runner from Tanzania, crosses the finish line. The media says, hey, why did you keep running? You're obviously injured. Others quit that were in that same fall. Why did you quit? Why did you keep running? Why did you not quit? And he says this, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. When God calls you, he doesn't just call you to start. He'll also call you to finish and he'll be with you all the way through the journey.
0: Yeah. Amazing.
1: Shane, that moves my heart. I just think (laughs) they're struggling. Maybe they're down. Like we talked Mm -hmm. about and they're desperate for joy or encouragement. Like keep going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. God is the author and perfecter of our faith yeah that's will finish right the work yep. that he began in you and he will be faithful to do it so man shane excited love anytime our past gets across we're grateful yeah, so
2: much fun friends yeah thankful for you friends hey deeply appreciate you and it's such a joy running this race with you yeah.
0: amen. amen until next time this is mike and josiah signing off